0: Hey there, I'm Judy Croon, Canada's keynote humorist. Welcome to another episode of Laugh Long and Prosper. It's Monday, which means it's time for just another Mindful Monday. And today with me on uh, on my podcast, I have my very good friend, Elaine Lindsay. You probably have heard of Elaine because she is, well, first of all, she is a social SEO specialist. She's the bionic glamopreneur. Um, she is a writer a speaker Um, the speaking part though is what I want to talk about today Uh, and that is because Elaine is very passionate about uh, a, a very specific topic that no is not funny and as people are struggling that's why I wanted to have her on mindful Monday uh, because uh, Elaine uses hope she uses humor she just uses common sense and this is all about um, this is all about suicide prevention. Elaine speaks about suicide prevention she has an amazing podcast that you can find on uh, all of the uh, all of the the networks Apple Spotify Google, and her spot her podcast is called suicide zombies and forgiveness and we're going to delve into this elaine welcome to the show why thank you judy that's uh that's a whole lot of tags in there well i'm telling you you are an incredibly uh talented person and the fact that you have put your talents behind something as important as suicide prevention is, uh, it's just so so important. I-, I love, by the way, I love the title of your podcast: "Suicide Zombies and Forgiveness." Tell folks what that's all about. Okay, we'll do. Everybody looks at me a little
1: askance when they hear the name <laughs> of the podcast. It's actually from a blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago, and it's the sort of the culmination of everything that's happened over the past 40-odd years. Yes, I'm older, let's say. Mm -hmm. Uh, This all started when I was a teenager. And uh, especially today, in this uh, post-pandemic, well, moving into post-pandemic world, we have uh, the highest suicide rates there ever have been. People are losing hope, you know, young people, old people, middle-aged people. It's absolutely terrifying how much it's on the rise. And it it doesn't seem to matter what country you're talking about. So if I can make a difference, make one person take one more day. And my hashtag keep breathing and the hashtag choose life. One more day. uh, Trust me sleep on that horrible decision and give yourself the
0: opportunity to start fresh tomorrow. Now, a lot of people would look at Elaine Lindsay and say, well, you know what, you're at the the top of your game doing what you do with uh, social SEO and you seem like a, a bubbly person. So why is Elaine Lindsay talking about suicide prevention? When I first met you, Uh, You had uh, uh, a story that I, um, you know, a story that is is, is sad, it's shocking, and it's also the catalyst for why you do what you do. Um, Can you tell you can you tell our listeners what about Andrea?
1: Absolutely. And and this in a nutshell, this is all about the gift from Andrea. And I have to say, although, thank you very much, you say I'm a very smart person, sometimes I can be a very slow learner. (laughs) So I didn't tell this story until 2013. And I have to say, this is going to be a bit of a mutual love fest here. Thanks to Judy, you were instrumental in helping me pull, pull it all together in a way that I could share it with the world. I was asked to speak at a women's event, Mm. had never told my story before. And this story starts back in 1970. Okay, Mm -hmm. right on the eve, 1971, on New Year's Eve, one of my dear friends, there were five of us that chummed together all the time. Andrea took her own life. And I found out the very next day, it happened to be New Year's Day, that evening we were going to an Alice Cooper concert because it had been put off due to a blizzard. Why is that important? Well, I was 16 years old. I was going to see Alice Cooper. I was expecting to be with my friends. And it was his Dead Babies tour. Hmm. The horrible part about this whole thing Two things, I guess. I never really got to hear Alice Cooper. Although I was there, I was not there because a friend blurted out that he heard Andrea had died Mm. right before Alice Cooper came on. When I ran into my friends and they had to tell me this was true, it became this waking nightmare. That culminated about an hour and a half later with Alice Cooper hanging himself on stage. That's really hard to watch when you've just heard that's what one of your friends did. And it took me many, many, many years to get that imagery out of my head. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, I didn't understand then what her death would do to my life. And quite frankly, back then, I didn't think I'd make it to 25. I don't think I had ever understood, probably not even until a few years ago, that in fact You know, all was not right in my head, even as a teenager, you know, hormones and everything else that make us who we are, make us all a little nuts when we're teens. Of course. Add into that the death of of one of your closest friends. And, you know, uh, there were definitely drugs involved. There was drinking involved. It was that time, early 70s. I had just come back from Vancouver. I had hitchhiked to Vancouver from Ottawa in the middle of November. Uh, that should give you an idea of what kind of mindset I had at mm. the time—a a little bit, a little bit odd. Anyway, uh, it was very difficult for myself and a couple of our friends because we were Catholic, and my girlfriend Andrea was Jewish which meant she had to be buried within 24 hours. (laughs) It's really hard for us humans to not get closure. And there couldn't be any closure because there's no wake, there's no open casket, there's nothing that we were used to in our religion. So that was the first sort of big red flag in what was going on. I didn't do so well. I was going to a new school after the new year. The people at the new school didn't know my friends because my friends were in a very different area of Ottawa. All of this just became this maelstrom of discord and angst. And it found me for the next few years spending a lot of time at Andrea's grave. Andrea's grave comes into a lot of things in my eventual story. That was 1972. I was sent uh, or taken back to Scotland for a while with my parents who were at their wits end with what to do with me because I really completely changed everything about me. This really played havoc with my head. In 1976, I, by then, had done a number of odd things. I got married too early. I had a little girl. Uh, I had a second child who died the day she was born, Mm. just the year before. And in 1976, on the 19th of March, I went out to help someone by picking them up because they were picked up for drinking and driving. It was two o'clock in the morning. I was six and a half months pregnant. I had thrown on some some clogs and a great big fur coat. That sort of comes into play. When I got into my beautiful Mustang, I had a problem with the dimmer switch. When I got to the police station, A friend of our family was there, he was a policeman, and he came out and explained what was going on. Dimmer switches on the car used to be on the floor, and it had shorted out. So he suggested I drive straight home, but I couldn't turn my lights on because the car kept dying. Driving up the highway to drop off this friend, my came up the hill uh, by Highway 31 here in Ottawa, And a policeman stopped me. I explained why I had no lights. He had me turn the lights on. Of course, my car died. It was in the right-hand lane of the highway. It was on the curve in the highway. And oddly, I looked to my right and realized it was right in front of Andrea's grave. I spent so much time there. It was like kind of being home. Mm. He... The policeman didn't know how to use booster cables and he didn't have any in his car. So he ended up going back to a gas station. Uh, I asked him to set up flares. He didn't. So I stayed with my car. When he came back, he got between the cars with me. He was on the side closest uh, to the snowbanks, which were massive. It was really, really cold. It was about minus 25 Fahrenheit that night. I was on the side of the road and with the hoods up on the car, I'm barely five foot two. Mm. When the car that came up the highway came around that curve, I didn't see the lights, but the policeman did. He dove into a snowbank saving himself and the other car slammed into my Mustang, which slammed into me, which slammed into the police car. Oh. When the cars separated, I went flying up in the air. Mm. And honest to God, the hood on my big fur coat came up behind me and it was like I was gently, my head was placed on the highway. My shoes, not so gently, ended up partway down the road. And it was the young man who had hit my car that ran up the road to uh, there used to be a restaurant called Jerry's. And that was the only thing close because in 1976, there were no cell phones or anything else. Right. I was lying on the highway with my left leg up around my ear. Both legs were broken in multiple places. My shoulder was dislocated. My arm was stuck up in the air. My head was fractured, but not badly, because that hood had protected me. But I swear, it was Andrea that protected me. It was Andrea that put me down gently, so that I could keep living. And believe me, continuing to live was not at the top of my bucket list for the next five years. I lost a big chunk of my left leg. I had multiple internal injuries. I had to have surgery after surgery. And for the next five years, I was in and out of hospital, constantly having casts from my hip to my toes on one or the other leg. I used to like to play with people because i would say, oh, I thought it was your other leg. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I was forever being seen with casts mm-hmm. and it just became sort of de rigueur people just Mm -hmm. oh yeah Elaine's back in the hospital like it was no big deal right but a lot of a lot of what had happened caused me to become very angry through the pain
0: of course
1: I was now I was sort of left in a a weird state I was not a very confident person as a teen, and I didn't, I was super insecure. I thought, you know, all I had going for me was my big blue eyes, and I had really long legs. Well, now I've lost those legs. Mm-hmm. I had a big, ugly scar. And my father told me not to tell people I had a car accident. He said, go ahead and tell them, you've Got a shark bite. It was a much better story (laughs) exactly what it looked like. Long story short here, an awful lot more went on because I couldn't deal with what had happened. People around me were adjusting really well, and Mm. I just seemed to get angrier as the pain got worse, and it became a constant battle in my head. Like, why am I doing this? Why? I just, this is it, I'm done. And I would stockpile pills and I would make plans to, you know, take the car somewhere and stuff the the tailpipe. And every time I did this and believe you me, there were so many times there was that little nudge, that little push in the back from Andrea, saying, yeah, do you want the people you leave behind to feel like you do? Wow. Do you want your kids to sit in a cemetery every Friday night? Do you want your kids to be totally irrational? And not realizing, you know, I had to have some PTSD, Mm -hmm. I, I now know this is not a military thing. It comes from all kinds of trauma
0: definitely but
1: after all those years in 2013 when i finally began to talk about what had happened because there's an awful lot more i I don't know how much time you've got if you want to go into the other pieces but by 2013 when we crafted my story into something that was not going to take hours and hours it became very obvious that this was a true gift Andrea had given me because by 2013, I was now in my fifties. I had lived another 30 years that I had never planned on that. I had never expected and that getting to see not just my children, but my grandchildren Mm. has been such an incredible gift. That I understood after 2013. It was, it wasn't just important, but it was my duty to share her gift with others. Because you can't know just how horrid it is to be one of those left behind with all the questions that go through your head. Could, you know, what could I have done? Could I have been there? You know, what did I miss? How did I not see this? Those things plague you day after day after day. You know, and silly things like my daughter. I wouldn't let anybody cut her hair hmm. because Andrea had really long hair. And that was my little tribute to Andrea. Oh, okay. Almost almost killed my mother-in-law, <laughs> because she had she had my daughter for the weekend when she was about four, and we came back, and here were these, oh, my God, God-awful bangs, because she had tried to cut her hair, and poor Mandy did not want her hair cut, <laughs> because she knew that Mummy was not going to be happy, and there were a lot of times Mummy was not happy,
0: you as a result of the story um you created a website gift for folks who are going through difficult times right now especially young people COVID has really played a number on a lot of people's psyche uh but with or without COVID, i mean for people who go to your website gift from what kind of um, what kind of advice could you give someone who just says right now you know I don't think because I know your story I know your full story and we yeah. could talk for for hours but at the at the root of it is a survivor and it's uh, it, the fact that you speak about suicide prevention you speak on it from the point of view of knowing what it's like to be left behind when your best friend, Uh, when your best friend commits suicide, but then for yourself as well, going through this doubt, wanting living the things that you lived through, um, not just because of Andrea, but stuff that you, as, as I know, so many things that you went through afterwards that you really were tested. And if you didn't have Andrea in the back of your mind, you may have, you may not be here to tell the story. So what is your, um, what is your takeaway by the way i'm chatting with elaine lindsay she is a, uh, a social seo specialist she's a speaker her passion is uh talking about suicide prevention and she has a wonderful podcast called suicide zombies and forgiveness so elaine i gotta ask you if someone were to go to your podcast or they were to go to gift from andrea.com what is you know the one or two takeaways that 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 are some hands-on tools that they can use to sort of just get them out of that that get them out of the grip i'm glad you
1: asked that because yeah it it all sounds like gloom and doom and it kind of is but there's at the core of me there's this seed of totally bent humor there is (laughs) and yeah, yeah And you have to try and find that in yourself. I know everybody has a little bit of it. Because the fact is, if you put me in a room full of horseshit, I'm going to find a shovel and start digging. Because there's <laughs> got to be a pony somewhere. Okay? I've become this extreme optimist. Because I had to give myself every day... When I woke up, I knew that this was a new day. I could, you write the slate clean, you start fresh. And if you give yourself a chance by finding something, something to hang on to, it can be as little as the chipmunk that's out on your front porch, or it can be as big as your children, your husband, your grandkids, your family, but latch on to something that will get you through that day. That's all I ask, get through that day. Because when you go to sleep and you wake up that next day, there are those first few seconds when you wake up. You know, I always say, keep breathing. Well, when you first wake up, it's all fresh. It's a clean slate. You can start all over again. So whatever the angst was, whatever the pain is, whatever the the horror is that you're going through, make the decision to make it one more day and perhaps reach out to somebody. Because as much as so many people are alone in this time, there are suicide hotlines everywhere. You can reach out on social media now. You can reach out in so many different ways, in so many different places. You've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram. You know, put, put up a, a picture a screaming and just ask someone to respond. That's what other people are here for because finally... We're understanding there's only kind of one type of homo sapien, and that's human. We're all human, and we can all help each other. And I think that's one thing that COVID has actually brought out, Mm. is people are a little more willing to look around them and to consider others. So if you're stuck all by yourself, you're not you're not ready to do this yet, take a look at the site. Take a look at some of the bent crap that I get into. I've even done stand-up comedy and didn't
0: do it till after I was 60. Now, now, so that's good really, God. That's really bent, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> but but good you know God, what? If you yes. touch on you touch on a really important point and people go oh laugh long and prosper you know ha 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 like you're talking about suicide but i always say humor is a tool that has gotten us through the best of times it's gotten us through the worst of times stephen king says humor and fear are so closely related in our brain and i think when we go to that dark side Humor is one of those things that I know for myself, humor is one of those things that you hold on to and it really flourishes in that darkness. It's it's part of it's a coping mechanism. It absolutely is. And it actually when you laugh, you can alleviate
1: some of your pain. Mm -hmm. One quick story. I was in my hospital. It was. I don't know, month three or month four. I hadn't eaten anything in those four months. I had tubes coming out of me everywhere. And my one of my best friends came to the hospital wanting to cheer me up. So she sat at my bedside painting my nails and crying. And I just lay there and thought, hang on, what the hell are you crying for? I'm the one that hurts. I'm the one that's that's decked out here with all the tubes known to man. And you're sitting there crying, putting on blue nail polish that incidentally matched my Johnny gown. (laughs) But yeah, it's looking at things from that slightly twisted perspective. Mm -hmm. If you can get yourself to laugh a little chuckle, whatever, make funny faces. I don't care how you do it, but do it. Because that releases that dopamine. It gets the endorphins going. And it allows you to think about something else. To take that. You know. Those next five minutes. And and just keep breathing.
0: Keep breathing. One more day. Um, you know. Reach out. I'm sure you've heard me speak of my friend. Jim Descharmes. Who uh, also yeah. went through some Very dark, dark times in terms of just wanting to um, in terms of wanting to end his life, you know, and Jim said, the thing for me was reaching out. And I, I will say that to anybody that is going through what I went through. He said, as you said, Elaine, there are so many sources. Now there are so many Um, organizations, individuals who are, are there just, you will find, basically, he was saying you will find your people, you are not alone, you are not going through this alone, as statistics show us, you are not the only one, there's a huge swath of people who are suffering from, um, you know, from, from anxiety, from sadness. Um, you know, wanting to end it all. So, um, so yeah, I encourage you, folks, go to giftfromandrea.com if you want to hear more about Elaine's story, because it is—it's truly inspirational. In that Elaine, like I said, as a friend, suffering all these years, you know, because of a friend who had committed suicide, going through that, and then herself with the twists and turns in her own life. And yet this person coming back, literally putting her hood on her head as she was flipped in the air, saving you once, twice, three, I don't know how many times Andrea probably saved you um, throughout your life afterwards. Over
1: and over and over. And, And that's why I feel it's my duty to share this information because there's somebody, somebody that's just on the edge that can take a pause right now and and just go reach out to somebody okay it's when we think it's the darkest that's when you need to like i say just keep breathing Mm -hmm. choose life okay think of the stupidest thing in the world that you can and and make yourself laugh that's probably one of the best things you can do in any situation. Well, Look, think of it. People, people laugh at bedsides in hospitals. They laugh at funerals. People fall down and people laugh. Okay, laughter is a, a weird uh, conglomeration of all kinds of emotion. But it's a release at the bottom of everything. It's
0: a release that helps us get through. The website is giftfromandrea.com. The speaker is Elaine Lindsay. Her podcast, Suicide, Zombies, and Forgiveness. You are not alone. As Elaine said, breathe and choose one more day. Um, on behalf of just another Mindful Monday, um, I, I think it's so important to be doing these episodes. We talk about the power of humor. And yes, sometimes it doesn't feel very funny. But I always go back to something Dalai Lama said. You know, Elaine, I, Dalai Lama has a funny giggle. And he says he almost does it deliberately sometimes because he says there's so much pain in this world that when he laughs, he feels like he is releasing some of that pain and sometimes he yep. does that laugh deliberately for himself and for the people around him. So um you know humor is truly, truly a phenomenal tool. Um Elaine Lindsay is a phenomenal person. Again, uh you can go to giftfromandria.com and the uh the podcast Suicide Zombies and forgiveness. On uh, behalf of Laugh Long and Prosper, Elaine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Judy.